0: Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the great forest deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the hauntological turn and welcome back nightbirds. it's great to have you back i've got a fantastic show for you this evening i had the pleasure of speaking to brian wilkins brian is a poet magician tai chi teacher and tarot and geomancy consultant we spoke about exorcism spirit contact possession healing and his soon-to-be-released book, A Wheel of Small Gods, and the Oracle of Deccan's Companion Deck, both available for pre-order at Revelor Press. Brian is a really bright spirit, and I can't see how anyone could not have a great time chatting with him. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, let's fly. Brian Wilkins, welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. That was a good, that was a good, like whoosh, yeah. into the zone. You know, it was nice. I like that.
0: I didn't do that on the last one. I, it's not out yet, but we just started talking. So it's going to be like total in medias rest, which like, I'm yeah. also a big fan of because yeah, it's so, there's three of us on it, but
1: that's too many people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's enough cool. people to where I'm not going to edit it really.
1: Like, yeah lots of times, depending on how long you talk or whatever's going on, there's, there's three or four different stories. And you know what I mean? Like, and the edit, <laughs> things are saved in the edit, you know what I mean? Or made in the edit. Um, I've been talking a lot recently, um, with, uh, Jess, um, who is my magical partner and, uh, best friend, Jess waters who if people run into her, she's great. Uh, but we've been talking a lot about, um, Marsha Lucas saving star Wars, you know what I mean? With her editing. And just like that people do not understand that like, sure, sure. George Lucas, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's really the edit of that trench run that does it. And when you go back and look at it, it's brilliant, but it's all the stuff she cut out all the stuff she added in. And, you know, similarly, I was talking to a friend uh, the other day about how like history isn't made by the books you write. It's made by the books you burn.
0: Mm. Wow
1: you're taking out storylines to create a consistent vision. And so it's the same thing with editing, right? Like we're, you know, there's a ver- version of this that's going to be created in the space of, of the thing. I mean, it's funny for the, for the guests too, to some extent, because you're like, here are my hands. <laughs> you know, This is that sort of like surrender motion. You're like, You can do what
0: you like. Like I can make you sound like an asshole. Oh my God.
1: Easily. So easily. I mean, I'm going to make myself sound like an asshole. You're not going to have to work too hard,
0: (laughs) but there's something, there's something Saturnian about it too. Right. Yeah. The scythe.
1: I really, you know, I really like the, uh, the farm relations with Saturn you know, in both that idea of Saturn as the feminine, you know, the, the feminine Saturn and the old man Saturn and then the kind of blend of like, you know, is the old man Saturn actually to some degree also a feminine symbol, you know, like a, a sort of feminized figure, like I don't want to get, I don't, I like things as polarities. I don't get too hung up on the genders of planets, you know, like right, whatever the planet wants to be is fine with me. But the, um, that's
0: angels are like that too, right? It's like, yeah. you'll look it up and it's like, this is okay. Well, I didn't have that experience of this angel at all. Like,
1: yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I often think they just kind of show us what we need to, what we need in order to interface. Right. Um, I have a particular angel that showed up when I first took the, like the journeying course uh, on RuneSuit. Uh, this one sort of presented as like a, a guide that I need to pay attention to, you know, and I've worked with since. And um, uh, when it first showed up, it was like that. It was like this. It was like a pink Floyd cover. It was a, a, a black pyramid with rainbows running through it. And I was like, I thank you. This seems good. Can we yeah. how do I how do I talk to you black pyramid? You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't really know where this is going. And then it took a, a form that was much more uh in that case androgynous, which ended up cluing me into a whole bunch of stuff too. But it was um but yeah it was it was only when it realized that like I wasn't rocking." Whatever black pyramid language was, that it was like, oh, okay, well, we'll do this.
0: Yeah, yeah, let me get like into a more human.
1: It's that it's that grimoire, like, please show up in fair and pleasing, you know, shape. Right, and, and also like in a,
0: it, it kind of is in a language I can understand, right? Like we right. say that, like literally, so it's not just like these barbarous words or something, which is cool too. But yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, I
1: you know I think about that for them too, like trying to communicate with nature spirits or tree or your dog <laughs> um in right. a language that they understand you know and like you know if you're taking that animist approach you're never going to get there but there this this trying to meet in the middle is a very important act of hospitality and um has only improved my life by trying to do it and you know
0: yeah, yeah it's like going to another country if you you know <laughs> If you're going to not like give them a little bit of ground to like, like, you know, like they say that like, you know, if you show you're trying.
1: The only place, the only place (laughs) I have found that was not true for me France. It was France. (laughs) It was France. How did you know? Do you have
0: the same thing? Uh, No, I've never been, but I've heard that a lot.
1: Oh man. I mean, to be fair, I was 17. I was most likely really annoying period. You know what I mean? And my, you know, between my Southern accent and the bad French I had picked up and my nerves, I think it was pretty much incomprehensible. But um, my theory, though, is that it's actually not French people who are really upset when you do that. It's actually Americans in France pretending to be French.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. And they're the ones who are actually mean and like, no.
0: Yeah. So it's like kind of the hipster quality. Exactly.
1: It's it's the hipsters. It's American hipsters in France who are giving France a bad name. That's my theory.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, American hipsters in France is also like a really good sounds like a good sequel to American werewolf in Paris. <laughs> Which, I mean, it kind of, that movie is kind of that anyway.
1: It's just um, a lot of, it is actually it is kind of that. But it's, I'm just, now I'm just really imagining a lot of like dudes in like some kind of like mime beret outfit trying to out French the French carrying like a baguette in a record store being like I've already listened to it you know <laughs> Like,
0: uh, <laughs> I was French before this was French
1: yeah exactly <laughs> this is guys just running around in, like some fucking Frank outfit you know trying to be Charlemagne <laughs> see I knew I, I had this before it was cool Charlemagne references once again proving Char- my own particular coolness in this conversation
0: and Charlemagne is someone I reference a lot because he's a historical figure that has like a beer gut like apparently yeah. he had a really big gut, and so I like to invoke him as like, well, you know, it's it's cool sometimes.
1: He's well, and also like <laughs> one of the greatest warriors of all time, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah with his beer gut. Yeah, I have a um, I have a running file I keep of um people who are in absolute uh, top physical condition, but are you know what I mean, like top of their game, athletic, yeah. everything else, but don't fit the Greek statue profile. Oh yeah, because I think this is actually really important. I like it. Um, and and there's a ton. I mean, we're not just talking sumos, which, by the way, those dudes are crazy ripped. Like nobody yeah. understands that. You know, they're not. They're actually. I mean, they're double judged body fat, but they're mostly like 20 percent body fat. They're not super well. Yeah, big dudes.
0: Anyone that's done like a building mat, like a, a portion of time where they've built mass, knows yeah. that. Like, yeah, like it. You can just get huge and be incredibly strong. It's not like you're not necessarily going to be toned. There's different um, I don't know ratios.
1: Yeah, but like you know this whole like idea that you know, I mean honestly, if, if you want to look at like an absolute, this is again some martial arts nerdy, but if you want to look at some absolute monsters in a hand-to-hand combat situation, most of them in history carried weight. They look like modern heavyweights too. Like those guys yeah. carry weight because when you get into that size, you, you need the padding to take the impact and you also like don't care anymore. You know what I mean?
0: I think of um The Giant or The Big Show. Oh yeah. If you're into wrestling at all, I don't know. I was uh,
1: like, so wrestling was one of the things I was not allowed to watch as a kid.
0: Oh, so did you ever come to a point where you were like rebelled and watched wrestling?
1: Um it like two years ago.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah you know but i've gone stuff. back
1: like i've yeah. gone back because it was a weird combination of like not being allowed to watch it as a kid then briefly being really fascinated with um combat sports of various kinds then having a come to jesus moment about like concussions are bad <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean right. like and and some of them are better than others but um so i had that whole like not allowed to watch it well it isn't real And then uh, just recently went back and was like, oh my God, the amount of stuff they're doing to not kill each other while they're doing this is is some of the highest athleticism I've ever seen. Yeah,
0: it's a really performative, like almost it's a choreographed dance, right?
1: Well, and it's it's so old. You know what I mean? Like performative wrestling, like whether you go back to, um, you know, any of the sort of catch performance, catch wrestling performances in the 20s where it's like, yeah, yeah, this is a fixed match so we can show stuff off and we're not going to kill each other for you yokels as we go around the country. Yeah,
0: there's something you know? really chaos magic about the idea of kayfabe, yeah. which is, you know, like the yeah. keeping the, if for anyone that, that's listening that doesn't know, it's like keeping that, um, I'm not even going to do it justice, but keeping the storyline real around the rubes, right? So, right. you know, like we go in the locker room and we're buddies, but if we're seen out in public, like Keeping the rivalries, right? I, there's something about that that's really
1: what's keeping the theater going. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's weird to we never expect actors to do this, right? We never expect the guy playing Macbeth to be total buds with everybody else at the end of the. You know, we're, we're never mad that, yeah. that that's true. You know, we're never right, like, right. oh my god, Patrick Stewart is actually friends with Ian McKellen. Oh, you know, like, um, but with wrestlers and stuff, we. We, we do expect this personality to maintain. And so it's a very strange form of theater because of that. But it's also, particularly if you're like 10, crazy powerful. Um, I did not I did not get to see um, some of the masked wrestling stuff down in Mexico when I was there last time. But I really wanted to. And yeah, I would
0: love to see that. I, I never have myself. I've seen local stuff like around here. Uh, right. And kind of, you know, like the country, rural. They do it all over. Like Atlanta's actually... A really big like
1: luchadores. center
0: for well, not luchadors, but just for wrestling in general. Oh, right that's now, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Turner was big in that and get
1: those belt like, buckles going, man. Oh my God, yeah. he's in the turnbuckle. <laughs> <laughs> so just,
0: yeah, uh, you had mentioned a story that you wanted to share, and oh. <laughs> I'm really
1: interested to hear it. I'll well, I'll set it up a little bit. Um, yeah. So. I was talking to I was talking to to Jess a little bit about coming on the show and she's like, what kind of a through line are you gonna kind of pull for talking about magic? Because like there's so you know, it's funny, in the first couple shows you had out there, you were talking about like people telling real magic stories and people just like doing it. And at this point in my life, it's hard to tell what isn't a real magic story. Like I mean it really I've kind of gone
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> kind of gone all the way in, you know what I mean? And I so like it. Um, and, and I think it's important to talk about it, but like, there's a lot. Um, but one of the things she was talking about is that I I have a tendency and have, since I was a kid to get involved in sort of exorcist banishing type situations. Like that's just, you know, that seems to be what comes to me. And actually uh, for a little while there, this is more contemporary and we'll go back in time for the story. But for a little while there, I was working with uh, the the Unitarian Universalist church as like a youth minister kind of thing. And um my the pre pastor at the church when I was leaving uh offered to let me use her stole when I gave my like going away thing, right? S- uh, sermon. I was like, oh you can't you can't give me a stole like that. I'm just gonna use it for exorcisms. And she was like she was like, I don't think Unitarian Universalism has a theology that allows for exorcism. And I was like, well that's stupid <laughs> because it doesn't necessarily mean a spirit is evil if it's in the wrong place. You know what I mean? Right. If there's a tiger in your house, you want it out. It doesn't, the tiger isn't evil, but it doesn't belong in your house.
0: Yeah. There's not a hard, there's no hard feelings to it. Almost like if you're right. doing it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I always have a little bit of hard feelings.
0: <laughs> maybe, well, maybe. you know, just to sum it up, some of that good, like guttural. Yeah. You know,
1: I mean, I think, I had another friend who's a a very serious Jewish scholar and historian, and and he lives a very nice, you know, very orderly Orthodox life. One of the, like, honestly, one of the most charitable and giving humans I've ever seen. Like if you wanted an advertisement for traditional Judaism as a way to live your life, this dude is it. He was asking me one time why I messed around with spirits and stuff. And I was like, because they're messing around with me. Mess around with me and my people. So that sort of situation.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, I said that, and then I think about it and I'm like, well, actually any like real situation where that's happened, there was definitely like some impetus for me, like getting fed up.
1: Yeah. It's fed up. It's it's the sort of bouncer instinct of like, all right, you're out yes, of here, you know? Cause right. like, if they're being friendly and nice and helping everybody out, nobody's like, get out of my house. You know what I mean? It's like, right. this lucky helper elf gives me money all the time. Like he's welcome to stay, you know? Yes. Yeah. So uh, the story we were talking about is uh, kind of an example of this happened to me, my sophomore year of college. And I uh, was in a really interesting relationship with this woman and she was as close to a, all the time full on clairvoyant as I've ever come across. Like she would see visions that came true constantly and like, and you know, Uh, I'm not trying to out her about anything about this at all. You know, I won't use her name or anything because she actually weirdly enough now, or at least last we caught up, she works as a strategist for the Republican party, which is a wild thing to me that I know she's over there just like clairvoyantly doing stuff for the Republican party.
0: Oh yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. But she was also really religious and, but she saw stuff like one time she saw this um, priest in her Anglican community like in the middle of the service a golden rope descended from heaven circled his throat and hung him and whoa and she was like you know she's like panicked and terrified and everything it turned out that guy actually had a whole bunch of like child abuse stuff and like she she was seeing she was being given the message that this guy was evil and justice was coming right so dating her was fun (laughs) As a magician, because she'd be like, Do you see that over there? And I was like, No, because I can't, I can't see anything. I'm not I'm not gifted that way. Um, but like I, I mentioned the Republican strategist thing because I want people to understand, like, she is a, except for this, an incredibly buttoned up, normal, you know, business-like human. If you met her at a bar, you'd be like, That's that's an executive woman, that's it, you know. And then she'd probably be able to tell you what sins you committed in your past, which is no fun. Um, so one night I'm just hanging out and, uh, she called me up just absolutely panicked, just like, you know, you can hear the real terror in the voice. And she's like, there's something in my house. Can't get rid of it. Can you come over and help me? And my instinct is like, yep. Okay. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go get rid of this thing.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's roll.
1: And so I came over there and So I don't, there are circumstances where I have seen things, but for the most part, I don't see in a physical sight sense. I get a vibe. I will have, I've since learned that like certain flashes in my imagination are a useful tool to kind of like see what's going on. Um, But at this point, I'm really stupid and 20 and like, I don't (laughs) get to any of this stuff. So um, she's like, it's right over there in the corner. And I could not see it, but I could feel the room was wrong. And there was something coming from that corner that was wrong. And she is like against the wall, trying to hide in a corner, ter- like end of Blair, Witch, terrified. And so I start asking her to describe what she sees. Cause I'm trying to get a sense of like, what's going on. And what she describes is a classical fairy. It's, it's the puka. She describes a puka in the house. And I, I was like, <laughs> why, don't, why where did you get a puka which is not a question that like you need to ask somebody who's really freaking out about the things in their house you know what i mean like they don't really right, care
0: there's a time for that
1: yeah yeah the, 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 the post-game analysis is is something that should have happened um but like i said she was really she's really anglican and um so she had a book of common prayer around and so i was like well Okay, I'm gonna do this. So I I grab the Book of Crown Prayer. I tell her she everything's cool. And I go over to the corner where the spirit is. And like as you advance closer, everything feels like it's vibrating, like shit is bad. But I also like the Puka description kind of calmed it down for me a little bit. Cause I was like, this guy is just fucking around. Like he's not he's most likely not here to possess her or any of that kind of stuff. You know, he's messing with it.
0: A trickster kind of energy, right? Yeah
1: right? It's not, we're not going full Linda Blair, we're, you know, like, it's, this is, this is something that needs a banishing, basically. So I tell him, I was like, hey, Irish folklore, I know that like church bells and stuff is not y'all's favorite thing. I am going to go through the Psalms, all of them, until you leave. And I'm not stopping. So if you don't like that, it's time to go. And I start going through and just reading the, reading the Psalter, just going through the whole thing. It's like, Someone, (laughs) you know, and just go down the list. And by like three, she starts talking about how she can see him getting like electrocuted. Wow! That she and she's calming down. I can hear see her calming down, and he's getting like zapped every time I go into the Psalms. And he's she described it as looking like when you when like you hit a cow with a cattle prod kind of thing. Like he wanted to leave, and after about. Uh, geez i don't know i think it was somewhere in like eight nine ten psalms somewhere in there he just split and you could feel it the room was whoosh, just totally empty it was almost it was that weird forest hush yeah and it was really quiet and uh
0: the silence that you can feel
1: yeah 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 it's like on the skin you know mm-hmm. and so i was like okay um and i sat down and i like put her on the couch and was just you know doing a little bit of like how are you doing let's get you calmed down let's get you you know cold cloth kind of chill out kind of stuff and she was really i mean she was ex- grateful and excited this thing wasn't in her house anymore and she asked me a question that i had to that moment not considered she's like how do you how did you know you could do that and i was like oh you're you're now actually making me wonder like i had to that point i had not considered that this was not the complete completely within my authority to do to command everything else, and um, it was not the first time I'd done it, so there was that. But it, but it was the the answer was just like, well, that's what we're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very human gift.
1: I think there is something about you know it's that sort of like less than God, higher than the angels, power of naming this weird interface we have the sort of amphibian quality, right. Where we're in a, in dream or spirit and also here. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, we did a little while longer than that, which was nice. <laughs> I was glad the relationship survived because I wasn't sure that was actually going to happen either, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: but we didn't talk about it a lot after that. I mean, we, basically it was another case where this was so much a part of her life that it was also normal for her right like this was an extreme thing where something came in her house that she didn't like but again it was as if she had asked me to come and take a dog out of her house that got into that she didn't know it wasn't right it wasn't earth-shattering for her it was just you know she already lived in a magical universe full-time um
0: and so was it earth-shattering for you no <laughs> You said it wasn't your first time too. No,
1: no, not my first time. I so um, don't want to go into that a little at all. Yeah. So, what well, I will say this, it was probably the first time I got out like book and candle kind of like, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> did it high churchy. Um, but it was not my first encounter with a weird spirit that I told the to fuck off. Um there are there are little moments it's funny. I don't know if you've had this problem looking back on magical history, but like this is why keeping that magical journal is a real serious thing cuz after a little while you're like oh shit, I know I did a thing when I was 6, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, so there's so much that comes and it still is happening cuz I'm still pretty new. Like I think I mentioned this in our conversation with Lindsay. I've been doing this for maybe like well, I say I've been doing this for like 3 years, but really like I've been doing my whole life in some form or fashion, right? That's
1: the thing is that it's really more that
0: comes up. The more I look and it's not like these memories are popping out of nowhere, but it's more, they're being put in a different context,
1: different context. And it's also that same thing. Like if, if you, if I'm not having a conversation with you about, you know, fights I got into when I was 16, I'm not thinking about it all the time. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's there. It just got to get dredged up. Um, one of the, one of the most amazing things I ever got to do this. So my, I always did magic stuff. I always did weird. And we can go back some of that, but like the period from 18 to 20 was really when stuff like full on kicked on for me. Um, and I had a couple key experiences in that time period where it's kind of like you, i got a kind of an, not like initiation into a tradition, but like had a near death experience, had had some weird travel, got exposed to some stuff that kind of, turned on an
0: an initiation a spirit initiation right like yeah there's yeah i think that's totally a thing that and i think that the lack of that in our society causes spirit to kick that up a little bit more you know what i mean and we can go into that but continue your story
1: no no i think i think you're totally right by the way and i think you know if we were giving every 16 year old a heroic dose of mushrooms and sitting in ceremony with them and telling them about stuff we wouldn't have these dramatic it would it would be a lot smoother you know? Yeah,
0: because it, when it happens spontaneously, it's almost a little more dangerous. Like because I see my experience with drug addiction mm-hmm. as sort of a spontaneous one. It's like, but and I guess you know, it's initiation should never be quite safe because that's initiation, but it can be very dangerous.
1: There, are, <laughs> there are guardrails, you know, that yeah. you can put on to help people, or just even having support, you know, which I think that's that to me is the thing we lack the most. Is like. We, we don't off. I mean, I think it's actually weirdly better. I hope it's better right now for like 19 year olds coming into the, there's at least witch talk. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, and right. There's at least there's that. At least, I mean, there are so many negative things you can say about the internet, but like, we wouldn't have you having this conversation. No. If it weren't like, I wouldn't know
1: you if it weren't. Well, and, and like 2000, like and when this is happening in the 2000s, like I didn't, I didn't know anybody to talk to. And also coming right. from a you know Christian background, trying to figure this stuff out. Those doors were closed, man. Like I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, you what can
0: barely did. even ask.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time to get free of that. Um so to summer 2001, I went to Bosnia to teach English um at a at a NGO there that was working with kids who'd been affected by the war or were had been in refugee camps or whatever and what it really was was a English became a way for them to put their traumatic experiences into a different language. Right. So to sort of separate it and, and a way to do summer camp, you know, and like get kids doing stuff. And it was great. And I, I, I adore Bosnia. I adore the Balkans. I will hardly tell anybody nicest people I've ever come across. You know, if you, if you have travel dollars, go to Croatia, go to Dubrovnik, it's beautiful, you know, so, um, and I was treated with nothing but amazing hospitality the entire time I was there. Um, this one trip, they decided to take us around to, um, this Franciscan monastery that was famous in some way, but I got, <laughs> while they were explaining on the way up there, I got crazy car sick. Like it's just these mountain pass roads and like an old Yugo. And I'm like laying down on the floor. Cause there's 10 of us in the thing. And I don't do that anyway. So I was, I was like, out of it you know i was in sort of a weird fugue state by the time we got yeah. there and um there had been one side or another had done some uh, some atrocities in that town maybe all sides at some point or another in that particular thing sure and i remember first that like the the statue of saint francis had been executed
0: oh right? man they That's had heavy.
1: yeah it was intense and you, it was still really rid- it was a, like, a copper bronze kind of statue it was riddled with bullet holes um when you were there so it was a really strange place but it had also served as a kind of sanctuary for a lot of people on on a lot of different sides so we're going around and we're we're getting the history of the place and we're looking at the artwork that survived and, and all this different stuff and i become aware that there's a guy about my age who is really fascinated by the women in our group like he's you know he's he's there's some energy being put out there that doesn't feel wholesome, you know. Yeah, and you know, it's not like there's no one here but the monks and us. Like there's other tourists and stuff running around, um, but this guy seems strange. So I was keeping an eye on him, and um, I get talking to one of the monks about something, and I look back, and this this guy has cornered one of the girls in our group and kind of kind of cut her out from the group and is doing that like hand on the wall, keeping her in place kind of thing. Oh yeah, and I was like, mm, "That's not happening today." Like, I, like, th- no, thank you. You know, right? Yeah. So I, I just go over and ask her how she's doing, and start talking to him, just to kind of break that up. And she moved behind me, and he didn't like that. And so he he starts very aggressively coming into my space, and I put my hand out, and I was like, "No, buddy. Like, no, no, no. We're not. This is not how we're doing this today. Like, no, thank you. Back off." And he starts laughing. And, like, that's fine. I've been in situations where that's normal. This guy is smaller than me. You know what I mean? And, like, normally if a guy is going to take that kind of approach, he's bigger than you. He's going to push you around. Like, this guy was, you know, I had 75 pounds on it. And he's laughing at me. And I was like, well, I don't really care. I just want you to go away. And he starts talking to me in Latin. Now, I took Latin four years in high school. Oh, wow. I know Latin. And he's swearing at me in Latin. I was like, "Well, that's fucking weird." You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's weird. Yeah, that's and funny. he's like, "Oh, you know," he says in Latin, "Oh, you know Latin," and he switches to a language that I'm pretty sure is Greek. Oh wow! And I was like, well, "I don't." That's know like Greek. textbook. Yeah, it was continue. wild. And and then he realized I didn't know the Greek, which he thought was really funny. And now there's this like feeling of like really angry kind of violence coming out of this guy because he thinks he's got like a one up on me, and he he starts switching languages. He goes, and you know, he dips into some Serbo-Croat. He dips into Latin. He goes back into something that I'm pretty sure is Arabic. I took a little Arabic; sounded like Arabic to me.
0: Yeah, it's distinctive.
1: Yeah, and so it's like boom, boom. and it's, there's different sounds, right? Like you can tell boom, 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 boom. And he's just like going and going and going, and finally, I was like, "She's getting scared. He's he's really scaring her." And I was like, "You got to get out of here. Like this is this is it. And like get." And I started pushing into his space and I was like, I don't know what your deal is. Get the fuck away from us. Like you're, you're done. Like this is, this is over. And it was that as I pushed into his space, he started moving back, but like, he didn't want to be in this. He no longer wanted to be in the same energetic body. Right. As me. And he began moving back and moving back. And he was still laughing about it and stuff, but he, he like ran off finally. And I was just kind of like, that was really weird. And the, the, woman i was with she was like what the fuck was he saying in those other languages like what was that you know and i was like some of that shit was latin like i don't you know maybe he picked it up i don't know what the story is i actually ended up that same monk i'd been talking to earlier i went back and was just like hey we had a weird thing with a guy i don't know if you guys know that he's around He just trying to give him a heads up he was bothering the girl
0: yeah right
1: and then they knew who he was exactly and he told me that this guy had been a survivor of some kind of uh an atrocity when he was really small like when he, was a, when he was a kid and that something had happened to him no one knew what it was there was a spiritual component that the monks weren't quite sure they wanted to call possession but there was something there that wasn't right when i asked them about the latin stuff they were like yeah and I was like, did you guys like teach him? Latin? Like, is he in Latin class? Around here? You guys have like an <laughs> right. advanced languages program for, for, for weirdos, you know? And he was like, and they're like, no, no, that, but that is a thing we have seen too. And, you know, we're trying, the monk and I are also trying to negotiate English as a common language here. But what it ended up saying, he was saying was that like, they kept him at the monastery to both keep people safe from whatever was in him. And also keep him safe from the people in the town. And that it, yeah. you know, yeah.
0: Wow. So, okay, I'm going to ask th- this question that, that your uh, girlfriend in college asked you, and we're going to see how far back we can go. <laughs> did you know, how did you know that you could do that?
1: That one, again, I did not actually think about. Yeah, you just, I, I you just, had
0: a, you had a knowing. I,
1: You know, I mean, some of it is the Christian training too, though, right? Like, so you're told from birth that like Christ has anointed you to cast out demons.
0: Yeah, totally. So there's a, and I didn't think about this until you told this story, but it's, there's a really fascinating corollary between the fact that both people being indwelt by the Holy Spirit and people being indwelt by other kinds of spirits exhibit the ability to speak in tongues.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. It is a spirit function that is. I mean, I think people sleep on the fact that the Holy Spirit is a spirit. Yes,
0: and dude, me too. And the fact that a lot of like, I, I think I talked about this with, um, with Kurt about that. I think that I've been like a lot of those experiences that I had in church. I now look back as, oh, that was possession.
1: Yeah, and. No, I think you're totally right about that. I also think that there's a lot of times where, you know, uh, I'm not sure the person they're talking to is who I would identify as the Holy Spirit, you know, the the descending dove of love.
0: Right. It's a spirit. Right.
1: And, you know, uh, I've been at charismatic churches. And again, uh, like, there's some really, there are good people with good tech inside those communities I, I I tend to think that overall the way Protestant and evangelical Christianity works in the United States is bad for humans like I don't think it actually is good as a general project but I have also met very sincere loving humans who engage in that tradition so well,
0: in I, spite of that
1: yeah yeah I think so and you know and it's you know Christianity is a part of my contemporary understanding of how magic works. It's, you know, uh, there's a rosary around my neck right now. Like it's, uh, I have not, I would actually argue I am closer to what Christianity was supposed to be than what this is.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. At the same time, man, I walked into a charismatic church one time and that preacher was calling in something and it was not Jesus. And if you're
0: right. Yeah, exactly. So if you're, if I'm calling in something that's making me spew hate, what am I calling it? Yeah. like
1: and who is that? Well, and and this one was a money message too, right? Like the the spirit is going to like build wealth on us. And like you know, listen, I'm a I think wealth is something everyone should have. I you know, but this wasn't that. This was that. Give me your money, con. Oh yeah, and this okay. guy could also so conjure mam- spirits,
0: mammon type stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. But he but he could call spirits for real, and he was using that to. To fuck people up in that congregation. And, you know, I think a lot of magicians are pretty snide about that and uh, yeah. overconfident. Because if you get a guy who's who's been calling spirits into rooms and people for 20 years...
0: They can set a room on fire,
1: man. They can set a room on fire and they can, they can mess you up too. Like, you need to, you know, have your own protections, be thinking about what's going on. Like, because, again there's so many magicians who I think don't think about the reality of what we're doing and, or, or haven't quite crossed that bridge. Even if they, even if they're like, you know, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be too harsh on people's traditions or, or the way they're approaching it. But like, if you come in and so far your experience is my tarot readings are kind of good and you think that's, and and my sigils kind of work out from time to time, like that's all great but don't presume that somebody else the spirit stuff isn't good is it doesn't have a possibility of messing you up because it does you know
0: and not only that but I think that the the better I get at it the more I'm becoming open to that because I'm I'm putting out a bigger vibe like or you know for lack of a better word like it's like a beacon on my head like you know like um Gordon white talks about like you know, you get noticed,
1: yeah, yeah, you do, yeah.
0: And like the things that no- notice me, like good and bad is is whatever. But the, some things eat other things.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is, uh, you know, that's the. I could tell the story here. You know, you know that's the origin of my nickname on the forum, right?
0: No, please. Uh,
1: okay, so. Um everybody doesn't, I mean, listen, if somebody isn't into Rune Soup who's listening to this, like, you know, yeah, shout outs
0: to that. Shout outs to that <laughs> runesoup.com because a lot of the stuff we talk about is in that context. You know, like that's yeah. how we met each other.
1: Yeah. It's a um, great community, real, real giving, people really caring about, you know, and Gordon White has done a great job of, of creating a space where people really care about making the world a better place and care about each other and people should check it out. So back in the back in the old days when Gordon was doing a lot of more, even more of the sort of call in shows. People ask me questions. Um, I had a really intense um, dream experience where I I met an Egyptian god. And like by met, I mean, I had a lucid dream in which it showed me things I could not, did not know otherwise that I then checked and found out were true. And it was this really interesting experience because it, it showed up. And it was that beacon thing you're talking about where apparently I had just kind of turned on the beacon and it was just coming by to see what's up. And it liked some of the responses I gave it in the dream. So it returned some knowledge to me, basically, that was useful to me Um, and a couple passes into certain spirit stuff. And so this was so intense that I actually wrote into Gordon was like, Uh, do I just worship this Egyptian God now? (laughs) Is that what happens next? Like, I don't like, what is the, what's the protocol? Do I need to like, it gave me something useful. I didn't ask for it, but it did give it to me. Do I need to do like an offering? Do I need to do, you know, what, how do I do this? And Gordon wrote back or said, he's like, you don't know how delicious you are to them. That like, you know, which and that's my nickname on the forum is Delicious Brian or DB. Oh, that's like, DB, that's, Delicious that's, Brian. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool! Yeah, that's I love where it. it <laughs> comes from, but ever and when people know the delicious part, they often are like, "Oh, it's because you're like sweet tempered or whatever." Like, <laughs> no, it's because I'm a dumbass who puts my head in the lion's mouth. Like,
0: oh man, that's great though. That's a great way to get headless.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> it would have been. It would have been a a dramatic event, and um, but also Gordon was right, and I think it's a really nice thing to understand too. I have had ongoing casual or friendly relationships with that particular spirit since that, that have proved very fruitful and useful, but it has never asked me for a pact. It has never asked me to be a devotee and I have never offered. And um, I think sometimes there's this idea, and I think Christianity kind of pushes this on you too, that you're like, you get used to the mode of worship or devotion. Yes.
0: yes, That's a really good
1: point. And it's like, that's not actually the only way to interact with things. And and maybe it's often not the healthiest way to interact.
0: And I will say this, at least I can only speak from my personal experience, but it's really interesting that you bring that up because I had the same sort of experience with Odin. And like, if you listen to right. this podcast, you know my story with that. I'm not going to go back into it. But there was a time at the beginning where I was like, all right, so like, is this my religion now? Right. <laughs> and I actually just asked Odin. Right. And he said, do what you want, but yeah. there is no religion. And and in that context, for me, that meant something personal. That was personal, right? Um, not to say that you should never have a religion. But, no. and so it turned out where that was kind of a situation where it's like, you know, I don't even really want, like, he is not a bower or a scraper and wouldn't really want that of me. Yeah. You know?
1: I Odin's an interesting figure because... Um I've had moments of, of intersection. Um and in each case, it's been good for me to to hold back and and try to meet on equal terms. I've never had the like full-on door knock that I know a bunch of people get, um, but have had some cross cross paths. And oh yeah, um, he's
0: he's a mover and a shaker, so he's around.
1: Yeah, and you know, I got some, some great advice on this from, uh, my, my friend, Joanna Farrar that like not every relationship needs to be a marriage. You know what I mean? Like you could you could just know a guy at the bar casually and you're kind of friendly with each other and you just occasionally you give each other a little advice or, or maybe you help him move a couch, but that's about it, you know? Um, yeah. and, and you can build trust over time or not, depending on how you, how you want to play stuff. And that's very wise. And I have, um, Benefited. By the way, I, I was on this kick in Austin um, where I was listening to um, uh, Marissa and Joanna talk about something. And they were, you know, these two fantastic root soup, which is just laying out some like real smart stuff. And a guy sort of interrupted them to ask them a question that was dumb about himself you know what i mean and then yeah. when they then when they were gracious enough to try to answer him he answered his phone he like pulled up his phone to look at text in the middle of what they were saying yeah and I, I my message for for my um male-bodied fellows is um maybe the secret to magic is shutting up and listening to some ladies talk like you could you know learn a lot maybe
0: yeah that's who the nephilim taught their shit to. Right?
1: yeah yeah well <laughs> yeah we were talking about that the other day actually yeah different different ways to approach angels i mean uh and maybe listening and trying to trying to see what people want a little bit is worthwhile. But to get back to, like, there are figures, I don't think that there's no room for devotion. You know, there, there are, you know, I am, I would say I am devoted to um, Our Lady, you know, and like, that is a relationship in which trust has been built. And, you know, um, in the same way that you can become devoted to a loved one, where like, you know, I want to bring flowers to her altar. You know what I mean? Like I I, I want to sit and listen and pay attention and I want to do regular prayers and I want to have this relationship. I think that just not everyone as in life, not everyone is deserving of your devotion or, or properly suited for you to be devoted to.
0: Or isn't necessarily interested in it.
1: That's true too. They're fair Uh about that. Like there, I think there's also, there's like a class of spirits that, you might gel with. So like, for instance, the, the Egyptian, I'm not going to name him in this case, but the Egyptian God in question was involved in a bunch of exorcism stuff. And so, you know, there's a bunch of sort of exorcisty y magician-y spirits that if I run into them tend to be, tend to give me a nod, you know, like, Oh, you're, you're in our camp. Right. Cool. Yeah. And, um, it's
0: like a lineage thing almost. Right. Like- yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like a lineage and like other, Oh, it's, you know, it's one of those, like, I see you, you're one of our folks and, you know, Hey, how's it going? You know? Um, so, and I think that happens to people a lot. I, you know, I know a lot of people who spend a lot of time doing healing magic who feel really drawn to Raphael. And like, they'll often feel that maybe even before they fully realize that healing magic is something they're going to really spend a lot of time with. And, you know, it's that thing of like, time is weird for spirits. Time is weird for us. The realm is weird. Like how well. You know, um, you know how long was Saint Cyprian a part of my life before I formally met Saint Cyprian? Like, I I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's a cool question to consider.
1: Because I mean, (laughs) I don't want to settle. Use the term "groomed." It has negative connotations. But like, (laughs) like how long was Saint Cyprian teaching me before I was ready to come to a place where I could actually hear what he was trying to say? You know. Yeah. Uh, And in my case, particularly Cyprian and Justina, because I. I don't work with them separate. I work with them
0: together. Yeah, they're a they were a package deal for me too. Actually, when I yeah. first started working with him, he was like, "Where like where's Justina? Like I'm not even going to like put her on yeah. the altar."
1: I think you know, and for folks who who do work them on their own, work work him on his own, like it's cool. I I find for me, I am not, I don't have the connections to that kind of ATR diaspora Saint Cyprian. Like it, that's not. It's not the same, and when I tried making contacts there, it, it didn't work. But like you said, like with Justina in place, and 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 her and my proper, de- I mean devotion in that case too, in the sense of like when you have really good teachers, you become devoted to them, you know.
0: Yeah, and I become devoted to like okay, so it, it's interesting too because I have some devotional practices with some spirits too that it is just a different vibe, right? Like, yeah. and then some of it is just like in response to like, just grace that's been given. Right. Like yeah. I talked about this on like one of the first episodes where I told my story. Right. But like um Sophia or the yeah. Barbello Aeon for it's a Gnostic concept, right? If anyone isn't familiar, but when I was at rock bottom, I called out to Sophia yeah. and I became sober. Yeah, right. Man. Okay. So I, I'm involved in the recovery community here. And like, there are people that die left and right. Yeah. And so I understand that, like that grace that I was given is so precious yeah. and so amazing. And I'm like, I don't even like why, you know, like the rest my life is now like becoming worthy of it. Right. Yeah. And it's, so that has birthed like this devotional practice that when I pray to 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 Sophia or to Barbello or, you know, it's the father, the mother and the child really all in one right. combo. Right. Um I just just like sing to her. You know, yeah. like I just just I can only just reflect the light that I've been given.
1: It's that's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. And and the way you talk about it too, there, the the father, mother, child combination, that that emanation that is that is so full in that way, um, is a beautiful uh spirit to encounter. And, you know, this is why I, you know, I know that some people have a harder time with some of the Jesus stuff, too. But I'm like, if you have experienced the thing you're talking about, that real grace through the presence the or teaching of Christ, like, of course, you're going to have that same response. You know what I right. mean? And I think, I think Christ is one of the grace giving spirits. And, you know, for me, um, Mary formed that same position at a time that was very tough in my life was going through a divorce and, you know, all kinds of tough stuff and really try and, and some of that, some of that, not all of it was entangled in is magic real and is magic my way of doing things, my, you know, and so, you know, having Mary come in at that point um, and speak with me with the same kind of thing you're talking about, offering the grace of how to get through this and the grace of how to move forward and how to maintain your dignity and spirit and love and not, not become embittered, not become lost. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you cannot replace that experience. Um, and it's, it's a gift and it's out. I mean, some version of it I think is out there for every person. Yes. You know,
0: and And if you don't vibe with Jesus, then that's cool. You know what I mean? Like it's (laughs) like,
1: well, it's totally, you know, like I say, raised up, with in the church I actually think a lot of i'm kind of down for Jesus as the revolutionary prophet
0: yeah you know? I'm gnostic revealer I'm all about it you know yeah. but I definitely believe that the Christ is just a spirit that goes around possessing people I do too yeah sort of
1: adoptionist idea is makes way more sense to me and um you know it's the, the Jesus of Nazareth not the last adopted person by the christ spirit
0: you know right and not yeah. the first
1: no not the first not the last and, and thankfully that's great, you know, but yeah. it's interesting that spirit doesn't speak to me in terms of grace in the same way that Mary does. And, and, yeah, and our lady not, for actually, me is
0: not at all. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. I was to say our lady for me is much closer to Sophia. There's a lot of crossover there.
0: Oh, they're yeah. They're, they're
1: Yeah. They're <laughs> yeah, tight. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to distinguish. You know, I was, I was coming across something when I was writing, um, I was writing about Gabriel, a poem about Gabriel for the book. And I came across this thing that was, um, oh boy, it's a, it's a word in Turkish that I'm going to get really long wrong. It's like Gola Baliki uh, toll, but it's anyway, it's this, I will explain it. It's Abraham's pool is the translation. It's this place um, now in Turkey where there's a temple that's been there forever. And it's a reflecting pool that is full of sacred fish and the symbol of the goddess who runs it is the dove. And it reflects the stars so that the fish appear to be swimming through the stars at night.
0: Oh, wow. That's beautiful.
1: It's beautiful. And I had this image that like, this is what Gabriel was bringing. And, you know, like, why are, why is the cup and the dove and the fish, all these Christian symbols. And they're also the symbols of Adagartus, the, the spirit in question here, right? The, who's the sort of, Astarte a relative. Um, you know, it's because it speaks to something older and deeper that is, you know, of which Christianity is an expression, right? Right. And um so it's it's finding the beauty in that th- that beauty there, that grace, that forgiveness, that offering. Um I think the problem is, you know, Protestants forget the mother. Yeah, and you can't have it without the mother. I don't think it exists without her.
0: I don't think so either. And I think really bad, obviously, like shit can come out of
1: that. Right? Yes, yes. I mean, yes. And, there's uh, yeah.
0: there's a reason that it's the Trinity, and there, like the reason I like to father the mother and the child. It's the more of the like the Sethian, yeah, like approach to it is because it it's like that fundamental unit of humanity. Like there's. I don't know. There's something like, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It has taken the female out of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. That was one of my first. Well, there's steps. a father, and then
0: there's a son, and then there's like this other thing. Other thing. Man. You mean like a woman?
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> oh God! Please don't mention women. Yeah. No. The um. Uh, that was one of my first steps in the step two because it was sort of like heretical Christian magician. You know what I mean? And then. What's oh, yeah. really funny now is like finding out about Coptic Christianity, where those guys have just been doing magic for like six thousand, or Ethiopian Christianity, yeah, where like so they cool. always did magic. I was like, "Where were you guys?"
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they were like chilling out, hiding, doing magic because they knew no, they were they were, could, they,
1: were like... <laughs> they were doing real Christianity. I was in yeah. some weird like you know split off and like yeah, they <clears were throat>
0: like they were like, "Where were you?" <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And not to be harsh too, because like uh, I will say, my my dad's a minister, and has a very mystical and beautiful form of Christianity that that he, and it, it's, I actually laugh. It's, it's the worst for him because I think embodying his lessons is what got me here. It's not really a rebellion so much <laughs> as a continuation.
0: Oh yeah. Cool.
1: Which is really frustrating for him because he's yeah. like, wait, how did you get from this to, to marry and worship and tarot cards? But like at the same time, when I was having my hard time, I went to go visit my folks I had forgotten my rosary. And at the time I was doing daily rosary practice to stay, to stay in place, to keep coherence. And so he went to the, he went to the local Catholic church, picked me up a rosary. You know what I mean? Like, so he's, he's always been very open and helpful in my own path. And, you know, but, uh, but yeah, we have fights about,
0: hopefully spirited discussions though, too. Right. Yeah. Like-
1: yeah. We get into it. We, uh, and I think in, in his case, he probably would say there's a feminine energy to the Holy spirit. He just doesn't think about it very much. You know what I mean? Like for him, it's a very like get the people bread, build a house, you know, kind of religion. And, yeah. um, yeah, man, uh, I did not expect today to talk a lot about Jesus, but you know, that's how it goes.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> how it goes too. It's actually funny because again, the the episode that I just recorded on Friday, that isn't out yet. It was like three of us and, there was a, somewhere a joke in there because you get three magicians of any background together and they end up arguing about Jesus because that's yeah. how, how it ended.
1: The nature <laughs> <can't>, of Jesus, <laughs> you can't like. I mean, the other thing is like Jesus as a magician, and which by the way, that's I never the read that book. To me, I never read that book. Is it good? Which there's like a book, Jesus the Magician. I never. Oh, read
0: I it. didn't read it either.
1: Okay, good. Well, we'll I, say it's fine, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully not super problematic. I just in have. Any way.
0: I just have a UPG of. Yeah, Jesus basically being a spell that was conducted by multiple magicians over a period of time, probably that used mythopoetic forces to like embed this archetype in into a in a person. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 It's there is a very again chaos magicy kind. Of, you can see it. You know what I mean? You can see this as a yeah. read. I'm not sure. I wonder sometimes if it was more of a sense of like, you know, I some of my stuff, I wonder about Mary as a priestess of this other Adagardus, whatever you want to call it, faith. And um, and then the idea of like, someone choosing, like, I mean, think about that for a second. Someone choosing to be the Christ, like volunteering in a way to say like, this needs to happen i'll do it you know
0: right and getting just indwelt by something
1: right i mean I like and it. and you think about that though like in that's kind some of ways, the
0: Steinerian uh take on it too but go yeah. ahead
1: oh man i'm gonna be honest like <laughs> i've tried to read steiner so many times he,
0: he can be so <laughs> difficult to penetrate
1: i just i honestly i picked up a book and was reading it and i was like that's all right <laughs> i'm gonna read something there, else there, like
0: there's so much though that like
1: yeah. You I got to find the right
0: bits, and there's some cool stuff. Like, have you read the mystery of Golgotha?
1: No, I don't. Well, like, oh, like man, I say, that may have you need to check but out. But all Steiner hits my brain and then turns <laughs> into a river of words. Like it just it just goes away. Yeah, Which,
0: I get it. I have to read every paragraph like four times. I
1: can't. I can't. And I don't. The thing is, like I've just decided at one point, my body was like, that's not what you need. Go that's read something else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. no. But I actually, I think Anthroposophy has a lot of great stuff in it. And it, there's, you know, it's another case of like. No shade. I just don't have a, <laughs> the, the, a. dog in that fight.
0: It is beautiful that everything isn't for everybody. Like
1: yes, there's not enough time. Right, it's not enough time. We have to we have to split this up somehow. And, there are certain uh,
0: spirits that speak to us. There are certain traditions that speak to us. There are certain yeah practices that speak to every person differently, right? Like that's yes, for sure. Yeah. So I wanted to go. There was something that you said that made me. Hmm, I'm losing it.
1: <laughs> One of the funniest things, by the way, of like doing uh, the intention group for a long time and like kind of doing a sh- basically doing a weekly show, you know what I mean? Like trying to get people going on that yeah. is that I half the time do not know what I'm saying. Like I, I say all kinds <laughs> of shit and then, and that's why I am here too. I yeah. don't
0: really prepare. I'm just like spirit no. move.
1: Yeah, exactly. And which I think is actually really great in its own way, but every now and again, someone will be like, you said this thing two years ago. And I'm like, I probably did. <laughs>
0: I probably, man. I have certain metaphors and certain jokes that I think I repeat like over and over again. Like I, yeah, I used to get made fun of a lot when I was training people because I was a like a restaurant manager for a long time, mm-hmm. and I would train bartenders, and yeah. they'd be like, they would just repeat the shit to me and like that I was about to say oh, because man. I had told it to them five times, I'm like, okay, you got me.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. No, that, that was totally me when I was teaching stuff too. It was just like. These are, these are my 10 stories that work. <laughs> I want
0: to make them work. So I do, there's a question that I do want to ask is, um,
1: yeah,
0: what, if anything, were you like afraid of when you were a kid?
1: I was afraid of the dark when I was growing up. I was really afraid of the dark. Um, well, <laughs> I'll tell you that, then I'll tell you the other two, which are a little funnier. Um, but, and I I'm, I was never really sure why I was so afraid of the dark. but. I got sick of being afraid of the dark and I, you know, I'm sure my dad put this in my, in my head too, but you know, kind of like if you're afraid of the dark, you should spend some time in the dark and get to know it. And so we were at our family cabin that's out in the middle of like near Appomattox in Virginia, like there's nothing around. And it's it's not like a fun lake cabin. It's a, it's a shack in the woods kind of cabin where my grandfather built it because he's like, I don't want to talk to people, (laughs) you know, it's one of those places and it's beautiful land's great i love it but it is it is nowhere and um so i remember being like seven years old and waiting for everybody to fall asleep and going out uh down the trail a bit where nobody was and turning off my light and sitting there in the dark until i wasn't afraid of it anymore right and you know but dark got me for a while um i was afraid of heights i did a similar thing i'm still not super fantastic with heights the one that's the funniest that's got this. a
0: little bit of a natural like reasoning behind it too, right? Like- yeah,
1: monkey <laughs> this monkey doesn't want to fall off a cliff, man. Like, <laughs> right. I'm not into it. Um but the one that's maybe the most magically relevant and still somewhat true is I hate slash fear like mannequins. I do not like them. The
0: uncanny valley is yes, real. dude.
1: And like I love statuary. Like a, like a an art thing that is alive, but like a thing that is should be inspired but isn't.
0: Oh yeah, right, right, and the, okay, look, that's an interesting thing to talk about. Then, like, so the there's a level of abstraction with a statue almost.
1: Are, is there? So the thing is, I think a statue is somebody trying to breathe life into a rock or, or acknowledge yeah. the life. That's or in the pull rock. the
0: life, pull the life out of the rock. That's there. Right. Cause you right. hear sculptors talk a lot about how they just removed the parts that weren't the sculpt that weren't the
1: image. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, I wish to help this rock express what it is, you know? Right. Whereas with a mannequin or, uh, this doesn't, it extends a little bit to, to some dolls and stuff too, where like, that's just a, a thing that's a hollow space it's the hollow space of it and some random ass spirit is going to jump in there which is not great
0: yeah that's how i feel about ai but um yes <laughs> yeah right like you're creating a vessel and you like you didn't like per- like intentionally summon something into that please
1: <laughs> i was just having a debate with a buddy of mine who is um magically interested and occasionally inclined but he's more in the tech kind of square type that stuff and we were just talking about how i felt like i could make a strong case that Computer code was just a way to invoke a spirit into an object. And yeah. uh, he's like, I don't like that. And I was like, well, I don't care <laughs> if you <even> like it.
0: <laughs> well, there's a reason that they call it a date, like those scripts, daemons, like mm-hmm. the mailer daemon mm-hmm.
1: and stuff. Stuff's there. Um, um, but yeah, no, no, the he-
0: mannequin, it's also, there's like an aspect of um, it's like a consumerist homunculus.
1: The homunculus, <laughs> yeah. And it's, I wish I was a good enough anarchist. How do you feel
0: about dolls?
1: Dolls are dolls. It depends. I don't particularly like dolls. I have a, I also have a somewhat infamous distaste for garden gnomes. Like I really don't (laughs) like garden gnomes. Um, And I, uh, with a mannequin, I once backed into one in the store and punched it and like its head flew off and like, I'm in the middle of a goddamn department store with old ladies looking at me, having a mannequin <laughs> fight. Like
0: that's so funny because I have the opposite story. I when I <laughs> Wait, was a you kid, put a head back on a mannequin. <laughs> no, when I was a kid, I would get in trouble for feeling up the mannequins.
1: Oh yeah, well yeah, I hear you. So I, I guess you.
0: I'm like attracted to mannequins. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we it's have the like that, that Seinfeld episode <laughs> where of the Elaine mannequin and the guy becomes obsessed with it.
1: Man, I saw the. Uh I saw that movie Mannequin when I was a kid, too. Yeah. And I was like... What that is was this? like your
0: horror film for you. It's a
1: real horror film for me. Yeah. And like House of Wax was another one, the old Vincent Price one. Like I oh. am...
0: So your relationship with Mannequins remains the same.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I, I I have some more self-control. Yeah. But I don't like...
0: There's yeah. a reason I like to ask that question. And it, the dark example that you gave is a really like a, the best example of why it interests me so much is because so often the things that I'm afraid of as a kid are what I'm really like fascinated by. And so sure. I end up becoming having a, a robust relationship with the, those
1: things at the same time. Like but the
0: mannequin is interesting. Cause it didn't,
1: it didn't, but it revealed something that is important to me. I mean, like I do like most, <laughs> like most of our fellow wizards, I do have my God dollies and, and my saints and stuff around the house. And yeah, those are good. It's it's almost like my brain has a real like dualist opinion about, about statue Well,
0: I think I think the idea that it wasn't ever intentionally inspirited is an, an interesting yeah. uh route to or like a thread to pull on in that, right? Like it's, it's almost an ab- an abomination is such a like a dramatic word, but
1: like kind of listen, man, like <laughs> if, if it's late enough at night, it's a word I will use to describe yeah. this sort of situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh like I got let like right here I got my little Hotei fellow hanging out, you know what I mean? Right. And, and I love this dude. Like yeah. I will rub his belly and hang out with him all day long. This guy's yeah. my guy. We are friends. And meanwhile, like you put a lawn gnome in that same spot and I'm like I might have to break it. I might Well, you have
0: might have a it. I wonder if you have some kind of a an ancestral or past life encounter with a gnome that might be like a reason I wonder if that.
1: You know what's interesting is that um I don't think this is in any way i think this is pretty public like um that uh dr al has has i I did his geomancy stuff i I do geomancy all the time geomancy yeah and he uses often as a sort of opener um the the prayer of the gnomes like you know that the, the as a way to to enter into that space and the earth spirits connect to it and weirdly enough like that actually felt like remediation when i was because for a while i would say that before i reading i've kind of changed my procedure now but like there's something about getting in touch with the spirits of the earth and the givers of good things and the givers of silver and and this this tradition that did remediate a lot of that in it you know like i don't if i were to encounter a no a spirit gnome i would feel less bothered by it like
0: yeah okay then the actual like statuary itself yes, yes, <laughs> I'm maybe it's wake another up. sense of that where it's like huh I don't know it just gets me thinking because it, it has kind of a similarity to a mannequin in a way where it's like sort of ornamental but in a sort of shallow way a lot of the time or I don't know
1: yeah I mean listen I think <laughs> I think we all have our issues. Uh, oh, totally right. You know, uh, I'm, just try-
0: I'm just trying to dive into yours right now. Pardon yeah. me. If I-
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's fu- it's funny stuff, man. And like, I think, I think part of it for me is I, I have I have realized that over the years there is a sort of like nervous not nervousness, but like your alarm bells kind of go off when people don't have their house in order when it comes to spirit stuff. Like if you go to a place where like actually I was just talking to my brother about this. So um my mom, they moved, downsized everything else, and she really wanted me to take this rocking chair that was mine when I was a toddler. And I'm like, uh I don't have a toddler in my life right now. I don't live in a large apartment and i don't really have a space for this chair my son's older and i'm not likely to get another toddler around anytime soon you know and my brother was laughing he's like that is maybe the world's worst vibe is you walk into what is clearly like just (laughs) just an adult dude's house and there's an empty toddler chair in the corner like yeah that's
0: horror movie shit
1: yeah exactly and uh, so we were laughing about like putting a doll in it. Like if you're going to do that, you have to go full horror movie. There has to be some kind of like terrifying 19th century doll in it.
0: Okay, that's interesting that you say that because there is like okay, I used to have this this is kind of funny. It was a princess Leia in the bikini sure. cardboard cutout. Okay. Which is like totally dope, right? <laughs> right, like the just everything about it is like, all right, I'm okay with this.
1: Right, sure.
0: But when i would catch it out of the corner of my eye or when people would walk in the house and see it out of the corner of their eye or it would be like in the window at a weird angle there was like sort of a knee jerk visceral Hmm. fear response like a shadow person have you ever had one of those
1: oh yeah dude Uh, yeah Yeah. actually i think that was some of the really early stuff for me was like happened a lot when i was started or i remember it a lot when i was like 13 14 started happening and i was just like at some point i was just like well that's a thing that happens i just see this shit out of the corner of my eye that's fine yeah yeah you know so i i actually have a wonder like i think my brother was actually kind of onto something um there are circumstances we arrange that spirit will fill
0: i I, yes continue
1: and so I think that that is to some extent my nervousness around mannequins and things too. Is that like I've made, someone hath made a hollow space for a certain for Just thing right, to jump like into?
0: Right, like we were talking about with the AI thing. Like yeah, right. And I think some, pa- I'm not. I'm going to mispronounce this word, but paradolia.
1: Paradolia, yeah, yeah. Where you see the you see the like that I, I, I looked at Mars a, and I see a face. You know? Yeah,
0: I think that is a it's a similar example. And I've had this conversation with my good friend, who's actually the guy that introduced me to Rune Soup. Um, but yeah where like so that's kind of a similar example where like it's able to be populated like mm-hmm. it's an area of almost ambiguity i don't know if that's the right word but that ability to be populated by something it's there with that too
1: so you know this is a this is a weird tangent and it's kind of gross. So if people aren't into gross body stuff, you might want to skip whatever's going on here a little bit, but um, I came across a theory of magic when I was in grad school um, where they were just talking about, um, cause I, and I was trying to steal this for poetry, which is why I came across it. But the, the idea of the uncanny creating a magical effect by itself. Right. And so the example that the article used, they were talking about David Lynch films and stuff, but they, they were talking about how like, if you put a hand, just like a human hand in someone's front yard, you have created a curse because it's out of place in a way that has created it's that container for spirit or created a weirdness in the fabric of reality.
0: It's a transgression. That's yes, pier- it's, it's, it's a, transgression. a membrane.
1: Right. You, you have, you, you cornered it in a way that isn't right. And that humans, respond to that with like, whoop. <laughs> you know, whatever that is, that's not good. And, um, apparently I was reading about, um, some of the, some of the ideas about, uh, Caligula's father, Drusus. I don't know. My history is bad. Um, and there was, there were some ideas that he was cursed slash poisoned or whatever. Um, and that maybe Caligula was in on it, you know, like people have different stories. I think that's the Robert Graves take. Um, but in that, the Roman cursing magic was to take fetuses and put them into walls. Yeah. Wow. They would do shit like that all the time. And so like, it is again, a place of life that has been taken and moved and done this other thing to, And it creates an uncanny moment where, you know, particularly bad things seem to come in. Right. I, I actually think this is the opposite side of wonder. So that like, when you, when you generate an artistic structure that allows for wonder to be created, then you're talking about blessing magic or, or the the beatific, in some sense. And again, but it's the same technique, right? If you're praying in your room by yourself and you smell roses, that's the wonderful, that's grace. You feel it in you, right?
0: Oh man, yeah, I like that a lot. So and all kind of works for that too because it can be yeah. either or, right? Like yes. awful. And awful both. and terrible,
1: both. Yeah. But yeah. both is my <laughs> experience of awe, actually. Yeah.
0: So th- th- that's cool. That's yeah, a very Lovecraftian. Um, I don't know why it made me think of that. A lot of things make me think of Lovecraft, but <laughs> just like total awe and terror, like yeah, tentacles. I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent to myself. <laughs> no, <it's fine.
1: laughs> I was just watching Stranger Things. That's, <laughs> that's all oh really yeah. Nice this but oh, uh,
0: so that's cool. Okay, so that you mentioned poetry so that gives us a good through line to talk about your book
1: oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: a wheel of small gods which i man i i think it's great i'm loving it
1: oh good i'm glad you i'm glad you're good really enjoying the book
0: yeah um so you want to give a little the audience a little bit of a sure a spiel on that
1: yeah a wheel of small gods is um it's something that uh again gratitude to gordon white because this this came out of a uh The Rune Suit memberships uh, ritual engagement with the 36 decans of spirits of the 36 decans of the Egyptian zodiac, and um, you know I I don't go into details about that particular ritual. Like again, that's one of those sign up and see. Um, But it was a a way to engage with these spirits, and over the course of a year long ritual, where every 10 days or so ish, you know you're you're invoking and dealing with the decans. Um, and this, these spirits of time and healing, I became aware that these spirits wanted to have more of a presence and they wanted to offer healing and connection to people. And so um, it was kind of an interesting process where at, at first it was clear like that, that poems to them or written in their timing would be welcome. Right, that that was something that they they liked and wanted, and I was quite happy to do. Like that seemed like a good relationship. And then as I did that, um, I started realizing that they could be used for for magical healing. And so I I did several operations to help people out, and, and get into some of those if you like. But um, it they they worked, and so um, this book is an attempt to not recreate but follow the same, you know, again, important ways of thinking, right? And see if you can work with these spirits in a more open-ended way. So it's it's poems and images done by my friend Brennan Reese, fantastic artist. And the idea being that you can engage through the image and the incantation, basically, um, with the spirit, except they're not incantations. The poetry is not like, now I bind these, or yes, you
0: know. Yeah, they're poems, which I thought yeah. was really cool. I, I was like it, when I'm reading it I'm like this oh this is allowed to exist this is fucking great
1: that was actually that was actually one of the things that i got I got angry at poetry um I get angry at poetry frequently sure. and it's not I, I understand it, yeah and it's not that it's bad or something I and mean, I, I think actually there's a lot of fantastic confessional poetry and I, I have friends who write amazing contemporary verse that's just beautiful and and the human experience that's great but I think that also poetry had a place and in this, I really follow the poet HD, um, and I recommend people go back and read, particularly Robert Duncan's work on HD, after you read her poems. like Read her first and see what Duncan is talking about, about how her method works. But the idea of the imagists trying to create that same uncanny space in which you can cross into spirit, in which spirit can come into the poem, or, as you said about the stones, be revealed From the element, because if we're animists, we're talking about this, how can even the image of the tree has to participate as well? You need its permission. You need to think about these things, right? So there is a kind of sacred poetry that was always connected to magic and healing and ecstasy and the idea of moving into the other world. And I wanted to write poems that were more like that. So, you know, I think. We have limited that kind of poetry to invocation, to a sort of church poetry. Um, but I really don't think that's that's what it's all about. And so I, I wanted to try to do that in this case to less to bind a spirit, and more to provide an introduction to a spirit through through the feelings and things that got me there. Um,
0: yeah, I like that because I think that, and I got definitely got this. I get this from reading your poetry in the book is that there's something about a spirit that describes this it's almost it's gonna be difficult for me to explain, but like a a quality of a moment, a place, a feeling, all kind of coming together like a crossroads, right yes that a good poem does. It puts you there. Yes. But it's also right. Like that's the impetus. That's the, that's what's carrying you over into the other realm.
1: Right. That's the goal is to, is to create that crossroads for you to sit in and then, and then to trust that the introduction is going to, to come across. And then, you know, to some extent, the artwork is designed to provide another kind of container and stimulus that does the same thing.
0: Um, and the art, and I love the artwork. Is great. Are those not, great?
1: Are they woodcuts? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, so,
0: they're so cool. I, I mean,
1: I think he did. I'll, sometimes you should talk to Brandon about it, but I think he yeah. did a, um, a sort of. He was describing the process to me of doing digital woodcuts, basically. Cool. And I was like, "Oh, cool, digital! I bet that's easier." And he described the whole process to me. I was like, "Why didn't you just do it as a woodcut? That sounds the woodcut sounds easier now, dude." Like, yeah, um, I bet it's wild. So, yeah. And then, you know, out of that, we sort of realized um, the book is at Revelor Press and, and Jen over there and I were talking. She's like, if if this book could be, could you, if you could do anything with it, what would you want to do? And I was like, make a circle around someone with it, you know, like unfold it. And she's like, well, art books are expensive, <laughs> but, uh, but we started talking about Oracle cards. And so I really loved this that came out of this collaboration because um, originally like using the sacred book of Hermes to Asclepius, which is the base text for a lot of what I drew on, um, you would engrave this on a stone, right? You would carry it around on a stone. And, um, so rather than engraving these on emeralds, we have created digital woodcuts that you can put on a card and carry in your pocket. And it has a fragment of the poem as well. And so you can use it as a talisman to give to the person. I mean, the other thing is this was all done in talismanic timing. So, you know, the book was the, the first year was the ritual. The second year was the poems. The third year was editing, um, all done in the timing of the spirit. Brennan did all the sketches and timing of the spirit. Um, the only thing that wasn't was the final composition of the book because that would have taken us a decade <laughs> if we did it that way. Right? Yeah. Um, but that was the deal with the spirits at the beginning too. It was like, if you want me to do this, I will do three years. But I, the, we finally we got to get it put together in the end. They were like, that's cool. That's fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. So I would like you to go into some of those, um, experiences, you know, you talk about it some in the, in the introduction, um, yeah, some of those healing rituals.
1: The, I, the first one is probably the one that's like the most fun in this context because it sort of also talks about what is it like to talk to a spirit for me, you know, um, so in, in the process of the ritual, what I, I would do, the ritual, and then I would kind of sit and talk to the spirit a little bit to kind of just understand them a little better. And sometimes that was just an image in my head. Sometimes it was like a, it felt like a full on conversation I was having with somebody else who wasn't there, um, Yeah, you know, totally. which I don't do all the time. It's still weekends for fun. The um,
0: <laughs> I think people do this more often than they think or that they maybe yeah. than they know. And that something has kind of been stolen from them in that way, because I think that we're like having spirit contact all the time.
1: I do too. I think but, actually filtering it out becomes more the goal.
0: Right. Being I mean, able to identify. And
1: I mean, there's a lot of times where I'm like, that's not my thought. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to own that one. That's not me.
0: And as an artist and as, especially like, well, I say, especially cause I am more familiar with it, but it's like this for all art. I know, but like, especially for, a, for poetry. Right. A lot of the time that stuff, it's just pops in. <laughs> like, I, I, I honestly think,
1: it. I, I mean, I think that when you look at like HD talks about this, but when you look at like the, the nature poets and stuff, it's it's kind of most obvious there where like the landscape is speaking to you <laughs> and you try to yeah. try to bring it into being. Um,
0: anyway, continue. I didn't mean to. Yeah. Oh no,
1: no. no so I was doing this one and, um, uh, Thersois, and this particular spirit shows up, and it's uh, for me, and if you look, Brennan's drawing does not look like this, because Brennan's experience the spirit is different than mine, right? We're both based on the classical text we're talking about, but at the end of the day, this is about someone's own experience. So it shows up as like, oh, and I, I do want to backtrack just slightly to say, uh, if people haven't read Ramsey Dukes's How to See Fairies, they need to read it. It is my favorite book for learning how to see spirits. Um,
0: I haven't read it, and I I will put that on my list for sure. So
1: good, dude, so good. And it, it, he has a great chapter in it about like realizing that the imagination is <laughs> the, the the translation zone. You know. Yeah. So I'm sitting in a backyard late at night, and this spirit with the head of a weasel appears, and it's pissed at me, and I'm like. <laughs> fuck is that like and again it's one of those like i don't know maybe some people like to have angry spirits their imagination that's not really my vibe i'd love it if everybody was like you're the best brian it's so good to right meet like
0: partner. you're gonna come in here into my imaginal and just yell at me
1: yeah which is what he was doing he was really pissed and uh, he kept talking about i had a really bad broken toe when i was like 17 18 i was at a karate tournament and i hit a knee the wrong way and it drove it back into my foot and it was a big mess um also one of my favorite things ever, because I, I watched a couple like super tough black belt dudes like go throw up after they saw what happened to my toe.
0: Oh <laughs> nice. Yeah. I was
1: like, uh, sorry guys. Um but he would kept pointing at it. And he was like, he's like, why didn't you ask me to help with this? And I was like, dude, that happened when I was 18. I just met you now. You know, like I don't <laughs> Sorry, your fist. He's like, why would that matter? Like, why would time matter?
0: That stuck out to me so much when I read it.
1: It was such a weird thing to me, too. I was like, oh, okay. Now maybe I should go back and try to fix my toe. I didn't do that. (laughs) That probably would have been smart magic. But uh, the next day, a friend of mine who is, she used running for her mental health uh, calls me up just in tears and talking about how she broke her toe and she's not sure how she's going to keep herself together in the winter. And like, you know, she's, she's really upset about this and everything else. And so I was like, well, I just talked to a bone setting spirit. Let me see if it won't, you know, are you cool with me giving this a shot? And she was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> you know, she's witchy, but she's also just like anything that works, man. So it was like a... Which I like think a, is a
0: very witchy characteristic, by the way. But go ahead.
1: Yes, anything that works for sure. And so she was like, this is like a Friday or a Saturday, you know? And um, I decided I would just, in that case, I would wrote down the name of the spirit and drew a picture. And I drew an image of the plant that was connected to it. And that didn't seem right so or finished. So I wrote a quick poem and kind of spoke it out over the over the thing. And I sent her the poem and stuff. And I, I took pictures of it and sent it to her. And then I mailed it off in the, all in the mail. It was like, hey, I did this thing. Hopefully your, your toe is better. Um, by the way, it's it's like in real time that I'm realizing it fussed at me about a toe. And it's fixing a toe. Like I'm, I'm now, I've written this book for years now. And I'm just figuring it out.
0: Isn't that crazy how that happens? Because that'll happen to me too, and I'm like, I swear I didn't even realize it at the time. Know, like, so stupid. Just <laughs> unfolds.
1: Magic is just—it's <laughs> embarrassing. But um, so she calls me up on Monday, and is like, "What the fuck did you do?" And I'm like, "Why mm, I sent you a postcard?" You know, like <laughs> I don't know. And she had gone into the doctor, and the doctor was like, "Why are you here? You don't have a broken toe." And. She had that whole what is reality mode because she's like, I've broken my toes before. I know what this is. This was a broken toe. And the doctor's like, no, you'll be fine. You'll be off it for two days and you're back on the road. And she's like, even if it wasn't broken, this was an injury that I could not walk on. This was not like two days off the road and you'll be fine. And she was like, what ha- What did you do? I was like, well, I talked to the spirit guy. <laughs> That's what, you know, what I said. And he, he did the thing. So I said, thanks, and, and moved from there. But I think it's a really great example of how this stuff works. So there's there's like three or four different ways to explain it. One is that an Egyptian time spirit went back in time and fixed her toe so that it was never broken in the first place. I like that one. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: One is that her toe wasn't actually broken, but she received some kind of like, but she was hurt. Right. And so that she got some kind of a boost through this process that boosted her immune system and that reduced the swelling and her toe was now fine and going to be better. Um, Which I sort of talk about in the book a little bit about how placebo is magical healing. There's no, no distinction. Um, I honestly don't care which of those is correct. Um, Because the difference was that now her toe was fine, and like, you know, people can have their own cosmology about how this stuff works, but it worked, right?
0: And what it, well, it's interesting to me because the one that, the one that is the more materialist explanation—it's the only way I can put it—it it denies the knowledge of her body yes. that was being transmitted to her, and it, so it says, "Well, no, it's like the kind of the thing where, like, oh, you didn't see Mothman, you just saw an owl." <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, and also like (laughs) another case too, by the way, of a guy in a white coat telling a woman that she doesn't know what happened to her body.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. hundred percent.
1: Yeah. And so um, that kind of put things that really started getting things going for me. And um, you know, the way I tend to think this works, I I mean, I think the spirit intervention is real. I think they tend to do healing in the same way. I think this is a natural part of human healing. I think this is something that we are supposed to do all the time. And that when we don't do it, we, we get negative consequences. And so let's say, let's say it's even just a 20% mod of, like it's a plus three on your healing save. You know what I mean? Like, right. Who doesn't want plus three? Like, right. You know, and there's give me plus
0: more- one even. Yeah, I
1: know, man. Right? And there's great, there's such great research right now on placebo. That, um, yeah, for anybody who who does kindly decide to check out the book, there's a long ass introduction where I go into medical research.
0: I think it's a, it's really, I loved it, especially in this moment because, I mean, I think obviously like the, the way that we approach this is wrong, and we can see it all around us right now. Yeah. Without me having to go into too many details. <laughs>
1: Well, and I think I personally believe that the body is a spectrum between the energetic body and the physical, what we call the physical body. I don't think there's a division. And, you know, listen, I'm a Tai Chi teacher. The Tai Chi tradition I'm in says the exact same thing. It's, you know, that's 400 years of teaching where they say the same thing. You know, there's all kinds of Chinese medicine that talks about this. Like it's, it's really an aberration for Western medicine and it's an aberration inside Western medicine. To say that this stuff doesn't matter—it's
0: an aberration inside science, I would say too. Yes.
1: Right? So, uh, my uh, my son's mom um, is a, a neuroscientist, which meant that for years I had the pleasure of hanging out at bars with neuroscientists and annoying neuroscientists, which is you know, cool, like a, a real joy. If you haven't had the pleasure, it's a lot of fun. Um, but when I was doing this research, I was out and I was talking, I just, actually, I was just excited to share it. And I was like, Hey, they're doing crazy stuff with placebo right now, um, including um, affecting the um, immune system. And this uh, other professor who I was talking to could was like, no, that doesn't happen. And I was like, well, you can argue with me, the poet about it, but I will happily send you the 10 papers from top scientific journals that I'm citing in this thing. That's that's on your side of the fence. It's not on my side. This is this is people doing amazing research about this, and if you know if you want to tell me that the paper in Nature that said this isn't it, like you need to question your whole system, right? Which you should be doing because it, this is an update.
0: That right. That is the the practice of the scientific method. <laughs> it's right. questioning exactly. your own system,
1: and. Uh, believe it or not, um, she never really replied to that email. I don't think people enjoy getting ten papers that prove them wrong all at once.
0: Right, <laughs> right.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: certainly not.
1: No, but I mean, you know, we're talking about experts, right? Like, they, yeah, experts really and like placebo <laughs> being treated seriously enough now that there there's a there's a professional doctoral organization in Germany that's really considering like the nocebo effect as malpractice. So the words a doctor says to you are a curse if said wrong. Right. So are we liable as doctor? You know, it's, it's a legal question. Are we right. liable? Right. Like if you of? have
0: shitty bedside manner, I would argue that's like a huge part of being a doctor, right? It like- is.
1: And, and, that's what, and that's what they're arguing is that like if you're not doing, and frankly, if you're not doing the magical healing part of doctoring, you are not giving full care. And like, listen, man, that's not me, the crazy Tai Chi poet magician, that's that's serious. Doctors in Germany saying we aren't doing magical healing the right way.
0: I'm glad that's happening. I am too. Are you hopeful about about the currents that are moving there? Like, Uh, that's kind of a loaded question, but no, yeah.
1: Um, I think the the problem there is not um, scientists and doctors getting better at this, um, or, um, and by the way, um, if people don't know a, a sort of like, it's not a companion to my book in any anyway, that's not what I mean when I say this, but another book that really digs deep into this kind of stuff is, uh, Ivy at circle thrice, her, her cancer grimoire, um, which I believe is still, uh, available for free on her site. If it isn't to be worth paying for, but like, she goes into this as well that we, we don't have a full on system, of traditional healing in the way that the Greeks have, you know? And, um, the problem is that placebo doesn't sell. And, you know, until we get past a for-profit model of healthcare, I don't think this is going to by and large, be a large part of people's experience.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's already happened. So it, it, it even goes without saying, but there has to be some pretty catastrophic, catastrophic things go down. I feel like, in order for that to come around, and like, I think it's happening, but I think it's happening. It's like you can integrate something with resistance, or you can integrate something with grace. And yeah. we are currently integrating it with resistance.
1: I, I, agree. And, it, and yeah, you know, I, I, I hope this does happen. I actually would think it would be great. And, and I think there's a lot of doctors who do real healing you know, I, my family has benefited intensely from Western doctors who were doing, uh, that's my little dog. Ah. Hey, What's don't up? Worry. Don't worry, buddy.
0: Just oh. wants to talk.
1: Yeah. Always. Um, the, uh, I think they're my family has benefited intensely from Western doctors who have a open-minded and uh, positive view of how health works. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's either, or I think it's a yes. And, you know, mm-hmm. And until they, but until they're doing it, I think those of us who understand this and have seen it in our lives should be doing whatever we can to help. And you know, so the book is my attempt to do that. Yeah.
0: Very cool. I also think that there. And this is just based on things that I've been told by spirits. Yeah, <laughs> but that there are, like Well, really hopeful thing about this is that there are healing modalities that haven't been around for a long time that are kind of like being rediscovered and coming yeah. back into the world. And I, I really enjoyed looking at your book through that lens because that description you gave of the Asclepion and Pergamum is like, that sounds like to me, that's more advanced than what we have.
1: It's, it's yeah. One of the things I really want to go to great lengths to um, make people aware of is, is that, we are still on a spectrum from from classical medicine. That like those guys were literally uh I mean my favorite story in the whole thing is Galen. I'm right here. He forgot where I was. He's old. I mean sometimes we get people are come
0: on. Oh, that's cool. He wants that attention. I understand.
1: Yeah, he's he's just mad that i he was worried I had left it. Yeah. Um the um But it's Galen and how Galen got his uh, job as the like chief surgeon for the gladiators of Pergamum was he cut open a monkey. (laughs) It was like, uh, you guys want to put the bowels back in this monkey and everybody's like, Jesus, dude, that's not how you do job interviews. You know? And he's like, Oh, I can do it. You know, no big deal. He stitched the monkey back up. The monkey's fine. Hardcore. Yeah. it's, It's a real proof of concept kind of theory, you know? Um, but they're doing that they identify the different parts of the eye they're doing um identification in different parts of the nervous system and the brain and you know and then they have a whole big ethical discussion about whether vivisection is okay and so that kind of slows things down because after a little while they're like the body is sacred we shouldn't be cutting it up to find stuff out but it's a it's a contemporary discussion right and those guys would recommend that you go to the asclepion to so go to the temple and you are cleansed you're given clean clothing you're given a uh, consultation with a effectively a dietitian um you're given uh you an uh, interview with a doctor who is also probably the priest but certainly a, a, a physical doctor who will offer you um plant-based medic- medicinal cures um, you're often prescribed some kind of exercise or pilgrimage or change of, of lifestyle in that sense and then you're you're given time to go and sleep and dream in the in the room that's set up for that. And hopefully the God will then communicate to you in a dream what you need. And then you come back to the priest and he tells you what the dream means and he sort of signs off on the whole thing. And you start to realize that like we do all of that now, except for the dream piece and the magical piece of, you know, because at that point the priest would be like, oh, the God says you need to hold this stone and enchant these lines. Right. And it's, you know, it's very easy to, you know, people, people get snarky about humoral theory and they get snarky about all this kind of stuff. And they think because they have an MRI machine that they're smarter than the past. It's like, no, Galen could have done some pretty hot shit with an MRI. Like it's, it's just a technological change, but it's, based on the same sort of stuff. I One of the things that freaked me out realizing this, researching this was that, you know, my son has some really strong asthma issues and particularly did in the past. He's gotten a lot better. And actually, to my opinion, due in large part to a bunch of magical work that was done. And so I'm very grateful to some healing spirits, including St. Guinefort about that particular uh, situation. But um, the medicine that we make now for asthma is derived from the same plants they would prescribe for asthma in the second century BC. And you're like, Oh, we've improved delivery systems. It's more shelf stable, but it's, but it's the same plant and the same derivative. And so, you know, this pretense, like we're not smarter than them. We just got in industrial changes.
0: Well, and to the, I think that, and this is just, you know, this is just me saying this, I don't know, but like, there seems to be a connection between taking out that spirit aspect and that magical aspect. There seems to be a correlation between the removal of that and the subsequent weaponization. So it's not just like okay, hmm. we're using more potent extracts of these plants, but they have in a way become and this just like weaponized. Sure. Right? Yeah. Because everything, if if everything is a ana- like. If you have a hammer, everything's a nail, right? Right. And I, that's another thing that I really like. enjoy reading in, in the book is talking about how a disease is something to be in relation to and learned from. It It, it is its own quest
1: Yeah, in a way, right? It's yeah, not
0: like something to go pew, pew, pew at.
1: Right. And I, I'm drawing very heavily on uh, Munya Andrews um, in that section and and, and that sort of... Her, her book on um, dreaming and, and dream time and that kind of stuff. And I'm sort of sitting with that idea a lot. But it's I think it's something that's, that's beyond one culture. I think it's something humans have as a sort of base mode.
0: Man, it's really interesting because I related to it a lot while I was reading it because it was only like a, about a week ago where I like fell into this kind of, I almost want to call it a funk, but it felt like mm. I was sick. And like I... M- I don't know. Like, I could, it felt like I had a flu bug or something. Yeah. But there weren't that many flu like symptoms. And I was just like achy and I couldn't move. Right. And so all I could really do was lay there and then like sleep. And I had some like very vivid dreams where I was doing okay. some, doing very specific magical practices. And then while I was awake, I actually was, I just watched, I repeated watching uh, Gordon White's Angel Course at RootSoup.com. Right. And so in my dreams, I was going around the Zo This is crazy because the fact that we connected about your book and I, I didn't know anything about it until you sent me the promotional copy and I'm reading it. Right. In the dreams that I dreamt while I was in that stupor, I was going around the Zodiac, summoning every yep. creature of the Zodiac. So yeah. then I watched the angel course and, and now I'm doing the angel walk, which is another thing where awesome. yep. sign up and check it out. I've just started, but it's already cool. Um, I'm really into automatic writing. So it's Dude, like good that's
1: stuff super changed my brain. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah. No, it's, I know what you mean though. Like you start to realize that there's multiple layers of spirit contact happening when you get sick and um, you know, Again, this kind of goes back to the exorcism thing too, because that you could take a sort of hippie-ish approach here of like, well, you just have to accept whatever whatever disease comes right. your way. Yeah, you know? and I,
0: right. Even from what I just said, yeah.
1: But it's like, no, no, get this spirit out of me. I don't want to feel like shit anymore. And like sometimes it's a case where you encounter whether it's the spirit of the communication from a virus or it's the communication from a spirit that uses a virus as a communicative method or what, I mean, who knows sometimes, sometimes I think trying to lock down exactly how this works. is just makes you crazy.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, sometimes I think like, and I almost felt like this, this way. So it's the timing is just really strange because I'm also working the 12 steps again. And yeah. I just did. So I'm working on, um, the personal inventory portion, which is basically okay. like you, you make a list of, and the, the the part that I'm on is making a list of fears. It's, it's an inventory mm-hmm. of fears. And so I'm kind of, I'm kind of in that headspace and I almost felt like this was a, almost like an immune reaction in response to fear. Right. Cause it felt almost like, just like, I don't You could just kind of feel it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. did I do this to myself? Right? Right?
1: Like, (laughs) Is this a part of my healing process? Yeah, right. And it does get murky, but what I sort of come down with in the end is the same kind of standard for for spiritual relations and exorcism and when it's appropriate to do that and all this different kind of stuff too. It's like, I have a right as a spirit incarnate in this place to thrive and flourish. And no one has a right to take that from me and provided that I am, you know, in best as my ability living in right relations with the spirits and beings around me, then, uh, you know, I, I don't, there's no justification in removing me from that system until it's my time. Right. And, uh, I also, um, I have seen, I have had loved ones who suffered from pain and sickness. And, uh, I don't think that all of that was benign. I don't, you know, and I know that some people will take the point of view that we, we learn from everything and you know, it's what's been given to us by our fate and everything else. But I am a magician and I think that regulating what fate gives us is part of the job and like,
0: hell yeah. Making our own fate.
1: Exactly. And so, you know, Sure. Maybe there's some ancestral stuff that comes up with, I mean, Lindsay has talked about this a lot, uh, you know, ancestral stuff with autoimmune. And so like, cool. My job to jump in and try to do the ancestral work. I, you know, awesome. That doesn't mean we have to accept pain as natural, you know, or intrinsic. And there are some spirits that come in, like, I'm sorry, if the spirit of cholera has entered me, I'm going to try to get that shit out.
0: Yeah, like be gone.
1: Yeah, because that dude does not play the game right. Now, on the other hand, like uh, I've had flus where sitting with what was happening and resting and drinking water and not overreacting was a good interface and it was a useful understanding. And, you know, and I think it's it's the healer's art to kind of know when to react, when not to overreact, you know, like.
0: Or when to respond as opposed to reacting, maybe. 100%.
1: 100%. Now you're, now you're triggering my Tai Chi teacher. He's speaking to me, right? He's speaking, you are speaking him. You have channeled him into this place. He's
0: yeah
1: kicking my ass through your, through your thing there. He's like, you got this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, you know, part of this, you asked about fears and I will say earnestly and honestly that, uh, fear of my child suffering was a big part of this. You know, I, if you sit by a bedside as a magician you're gonna and you see a sick child. You're gonna throw whatever you can at it, and you should. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, th- again, it's it's worth understanding. This is a communication, but just like anybody else coming into your sphere, if it's not creating a positive outcome, uh, it needs to be dealt with.
0: Yeah, there can be inappropriate communication, like that yeah. guy, like that guy putting his <laughs> arms around that woman at the at the monastery right yeah
1: the moment the moment he put his arm where she could not get out he had officially crossed the line of acceptable of it being okay yeah yeah and i think that that's that's that is how i try to think with illness and sickness in this time i you know i have used the method in the book for myself for things like it's that's something i i wouldn't put it out there without having used it for other people and for me um but every time I get a cold, I don't do the invocation for the lungs. You know what I mean? Like, um, however, when there've been cases where I'm edging into bronchitis and edging into m- pneumonia and like this, it's starting to get real in a way that's life affecting. Then yeah, I, I go to the mat with, with the spirits, you know? but there's also other spirits, right? Like, you know, sometimes spirit of ginger <laughs> is what I need most, you know? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Spirit yeah. of like spirit of chicken soup. Yes. Yes that's a smell
1: man come through baby come through yeah. spirit chicken soup. we're gonna heal some people later today there's
0: just something about like a good broth that's like i think is so magical and i, t- I say this a lot too i think pizza pizza is a Talk grounding a grounding spell
1: a nearly a nearly universal comfort food in some uh, kind or another bread I, cheese meat
0: dude i had this experience driving across the country and um I was driving across the country with my business partner uh when I went out to Arizona as I was talking about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were in separate cars and we were going through this section of like Nebraska and if you've ever driven through Nebraska, it can be very repetitive.
1: I lived and, I lived in Illinois for a while, so, okay, yeah, so you I, I know feel you. Yeah. So
0: it's like just grids. And yeah. we're using GPS and so we were like we got separated at night in these farmlands where like it was so dark that I started to have like a loss of gestalt as to which direction I was going like up and down. Like I felt Mm -hmm. like I was on a mountainside going down When really it was just like the angle that my lights were hitting outside. Like it's hard to describe, but um, he had an experience while we were separated that he saw some, something uh, made of light. In the middle of the road, like shoot yep. toward his car. I had uh, a couple raccoon encounters where they were like running back, very trickstery, <laughs> yes. kind of like, "Hey, you're in the shit now, dude." Yeah. Um, our GPSs kept, and this is all from comparing notes after we got out. Our GPSs kept updating to like faster route. Yes. Yep. You know, and like it was just wild, and like I ran into some people that were broken down. And I kind of like pulled up and asked them if they were okay. Like just like, in some one of those situations where when you look back, like everything that happened was somehow part of the overall experience. Well, we got out of it and we had planned to drive all through the night. We got out and finally found a truck stop and met up at it. And they had like hot truck stop pizza. Yeah. yeah. And it, which is not like always the most appetizing sounding combination of words. But in this case, man, it was like eating that piece of pizza. Was like, oh,
1: yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I one time out in the mid, and the thing is, people haven't driven in the Midwest, maybe don't get this. It feels like GPS should be easier to work in the Midwest because it's fucking, you know, flat. No, it's weirder. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, it doesn't. I more than once ended up in the middle of a cornfield, like literally, like driving down somebody's back lane, stuck in their cornfield. (laughs) And like, yeah. And it is it is alien abduction country. Like 100 I
0: felt like I actually asked this after we got out. I was like, do we get abducted by aliens, dude? Because right. especially like seeing the raccoons, it made me think of like, oh, animals are screen memories like for alien yeah, yeah. abduction
1: type things. Like- <laughs> it's, there's something, I've had similar kind of experiences to driving those roads where the, the whole like, people will hear you say, you can't tell if you're going down a mountain or not on a flat That's road how I at felt. night. But man. it's 100% I've had the exact same thing where I was like I swear I've been going uphill for an hour and I know there's no I know there's nothing and
0: right and my your mind starts to populate the darkness yeah with thing oh man
1: it just, it's, it's and my my case on that is like you're entering these light trance states and so you're you're open to seeing what is actually out there again it's a yeah. case of like the filter's gone right and I don't know I don't know the providence of those spirits. I don't know if it's aliens or fairies or some other land spirit, like this unhappy. I don't know, but the Midwest is full of that stuff. For yeah, me.
0: well, there's a lot of heavy, heavy energy, right? Like, have
1: you have you sat in a cornfield and listened to it? No, but I it is a. I, I sat out uh, at the sort of end of the year where the corn was kind of like. Again, I side note. I love trespassing. I do not recommend it as a practice. It is a good way to get shot. Like (laughs) I've had more guns pulled on me doing this kind of shit than I have in any city ever, but like, yeah, right. Yeah. Don't, don't necessarily do this, but I, I went, I walked into a field sort of the end of harvest and they still had the stalks up and stuff. And just hearing them, the wind moves through and like you hear voices moving, you know? And I'm like, I don't know how every farmer in this country is not completely insane. Like I don't, <laughs> don't Yeah, know.
0: Corn, corn spirit is a big thing too, right? For this whole yeah. continent and just like Central America as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's present and real. And again, I, like I'm not a I'm not born corn country person. In fact, I was just listening to something the other day that pointed out to me something that I feel like I should have known that the Appalachian Mountains go under the Atlantic ocean and are part of the same mountain ranges in Ireland and Norway. And you know what I mean? That whole, that whole vibe about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't either. It felt like it's something I should have picked up at some point in my life. Which is
0: really interesting considering how many kind of similar to fairy. Yeah. Because dude, Appalachian feels like fairy country. Like It it is fairy country. It is. And there's, there's the same thing like trolls, Yep. A lot of troll imagery, a lot of gnome imagery. Sorry, Brian.
1: Uh, <laughs> Kentucky go- goblins of various. Yeah, descriptions. goblins, yeah. all that
0: kind of stuff. Oh, wow, that's crazy.
1: But what it made me realize is that for that means that for like basically a hundred thousand years, my family has lived on one side or the other, between those mountains and the Atlantic Ocean.
0: Oh, that's beautiful.
1: You know, because when I went out to the Midwest and got okay. over those mountains, I panicked. I could not take the openness it hurt me i i did not belong there
0: that makes so much sense because you know i'm from down here like i was born in michigan but i've spent most of my life down here and at the foothills of the blue ridge mountains right and that is a that is a vibe man that is true like yeah i had almost like and and i wasn't just visiting to go skiing or something i was moving out there Mm -hmm. and so there was a period in this I relate to that so much. There was a period in this drive out there, which is the same story with us driving through those fields. Yeah. Where I had sort of a a, a terror.
1: I I did too. I had an actual, is- I had my first full on panic attack driving around in Illinois and I didn't know what to do about it. That was, I also wasn't that old and I was in pretty good shape. You know what I mean? I was like, Yeah, I'm not, why is my blood pressure skyrocketing? And why am I just like, I had to pull over the car get out everything else and I just something about that land we were not compatible in a way that was has was more true than any other place I've ever been
0: that's so fascinating that makes me think too um about I had a there's something I saw in an ancestral medicine session mm. that was like you know uh, just it it was interesting because I wasn't seeing much for this line. And then um, the facilitator was like, you know, just kind of keep, yeah, keep, keep open and and see what you can see. And then eventually I saw like a ship crossing the ocean and I started bawling. Like Mm. I was crying and I could feel like that being disconnected from the land spirits that you've been like one with. For yeah. generations, I could feel
1: that. Yeah. Uh,
0: really just potent, powerful.
1: It's, it's a real thing. And, you know, I'm, there's, <laughs> you know, I, I believe there's a real project for, uh, you know, white folks and people who, who came over here in a settler culture to really sort of sit down and un, not undo necessarily, but like try to get beyond that to try to, you know, get in touch with the land in the best way we can and to form these right relations that we haven't been doing. Um, I mean, Robin Wall Kimmerer talks about that in braiding sweetgrass that like it's kind of, it's kind of white people's job to figure out how to, how to, how to become local. You know what I mean? Like to, and, and just not by mimicking or, or doing the same thing as the people who were here before, but, you know, trying to be good neighbors. But part of that too, is this acknowledgement of a real grief, that we've carried with us and you know how many how many immigrant communities you you see addiction and you see alcoholism in particular as and that's another thing that's them. actually
0: been weaponized by empire to yes. destroy populations is like i, I don't and it's weird because it's like does that happen consciously well i don't know but the, there's something about like the foul spirit of empire that has that as its mo
1: you know what? i will actually argue it does happen consciously
0: yeah i don't um, think i mean I think so too,
1: but <laughs> I mean, well, and I, but, but I think I can prove this historically. So okay. like the, one of the most screwed up things I've ever come across were the um, manuals. And some of this is talked about in the book, trash, uh, a history of sort of white trash folks in America. It's just an interesting
0: Ooh, book. I need to read that. Cause that's, it's, I feel seen. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, she talks about, I can't remember the author's name at the moment. Apologies. But she talks about how literally the rich people in England were like, okay, so the first group we're gonna send over, they're gonna die and be compost for the like they're literally garbage we're gonna throw in the ground.
0: Yeah, just throw you them know. at the wall and see what right. sticks.
1: Exactly. And then from there you start to see these sort of manuals that are written to by slave owners to use how do you properly organize your overseer? So that they will do your horrible mission. You know what I mean? And it's the whole yeah. thing of like, it's stuff literally laid out. Like don't invite them to Christmas because you don't want them thinking they're a part of your household, but do make sure they get something special for Christmas and a s- Christmas gift. And that you you're shown going to their house to offer them something. And this thing, it's wow. a literal manual for how to divide races and how to set stuff up and everything else. If you then look at, like, people actively importing whiskey into, you know, Boston and, you know, different Irish communities here to mess them up there, not to mention the fucking crack epidemic, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. And, well, the alcohol with the the indigenous people of the Americas, too.
1: Same story. And then, you know, the same thing again of, like, literally shipping crack into black communities in L.A. to make drug money for the CIA, which is... That's not even like a conspiracy anymore. That's just fact.
0: That's straight up true. Well, I think fentanyl is an act of warfare too. Yes. Yeah. I mean, anyone that doesn't think that can go read about the opium wars and have their head exploded from that. Like 100%. There's a reason that that shit isn't taught in school.
1: Right. There is a reason. You know, and, you know, one of the things that that got me, speaking of the South for a second on this stuff too, is and, and why a lot of religion in the South is so weird and devastating is that. Um, I talk about this sometimes. Again, another piece of actual history that came out when they declassified a bunch of stuff, but they they don't. No one wants to talk about it. But like the fundamentalist movement in the South went. There was always churches around, but like the whole Jerry Falwell, everybody suddenly springing to prominence thing. It comes out of nowhere in the seventies, right? And it's just like where the where is this going? There's actual Saudi princes donating money to Jerry Falwell's uni- to Liberty University and the churches and others, uh, in order to promote his mission. You're know, like, what? Like why, why would that ever be a thing that a Saudi prince would ever want to do? Well, the truth is if you look at fundamentalism, it's largely designed to take the spirit out of a religion, create people who agree to authority without question and right. who feel like death doesn't matter. In other words, it's soldier creating Make
0: good soldiers. Yeah. Wow. Soldier
1: creating religion and and not even
0: christian soldiers
1: 100 percent, right and and calvinism by the way was used much the same way presbyterianism was used the same way with the scottish in uh by the british empire
0: yeah predestination
1: i am fated to not die why do i care i'll wear my crazy kilt and my giant bear hat in india and run at you with a fucking sword like that's and so you start to see that like oh of course it, it is consciously created as a tool of empire and that's why it feels wrong. Like, and you know, and that's why, you know, it's, it's certainly why they got to get Mary out of there. You know?
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Cause wow. if you're talking to mom, she's not going to be like, go ahead, <laughs> go, go yeah, kill my other children. Dad you know?
0: influence is totally removed. And well, and that
1: I would argue that the Catholic church, which has also obviously participated in this has a remarkably uncomfortable relationship with Mary. Once you start digging yeah. into it <laughs> and you know, tried to ban the Rosary for ever um and I think again it's like it's it's so funny because like the first thing Tertullian complains about when he's talking about Christians is he's like, oh they're always talking about the dude's mom all the time <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of what kind of religion is when you talk about some guy's mom all the time and uh, you know it's uh, that's my impression of classical Roman authors. Um, they're they're all well, yeah. They have <laughs> well,
0: plenty of problems with them from the study yeah. of gnosticism too, right? Like,
1: oh man, they're all assholes. But like, yeah. it's you know, but I think that it is something. When I, I would wager that the elements, the misogynistic patriarchal elements inside the Catholic Church, have consistently been the part that's also pushing the Crusades and pushing.
0: That right. Well, it. yeah, and then it's like the 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 poor folk that are seeing Mary and you know like i mean generally i don't know enough to say that 100 percent. but it seems to me like that's an undercurrent that moves up despite again despite the catholic church and they just kind of have to be like yeah let them do it
1: it feels that way to me too and, like, and if again, you look
0: at like santa morte is, is <laughs> attempted to be i mean they've that's they've Banned that in the Catholic Church, right? I mean, she's not not allowed. Not part of it at all, right? No, 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 no.
1: She's total folk. That's folk, yeah, yeah. Folk Mexican saying. quote unquote,
0: quote unquote folk.
1: Yeah, whatever that means.
0: What what real people do?
1: Yeah, exactly. I got a funny Santa Muerte story actually for you, which is that like she and I don't, we don't work. All respect to Santa Muerte. Anyone who's a devotee, respect. It's all good. But I had a buddy call me up. He's like, and he's a devotee. He's like, hey, do you? do you not have a deal with Santa? Where, is there like a, is there like a thing? I was like, yeah. I mean, every time I've talked to her in any kind of situation, she's just been like, not my vibe, dude, you're, you're not one of mine. And I'm like, cool. It's fine. He's like, yeah. Cause I was talking to her about you and I wanted, like I, he was concerned about me for something. He's like, and I wanted to like bring you in front of her and be like, Hey, can you look out for my buddy, Brian? And she literally was like, I don't fuck with that dude. <laughs> 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 That's not one of mine. I love it he was like what you know and so he was like is that a thing apparently apparently again lots of respect to the holy death uh you yeah. know let her do her thing but
0: <laughs> that's cool man
1: he's not into me <laughs> oh man, well
0: you you have to go at 7 30
1: i do i gotta hustle in a couple minutes here i was and gonna say
0: man um we can stop there
1: sure i hope i hope i've said something that's comprehensible
0: dude I, it's been great talking to you, man. That's I truth. really appreciate I, you coming on um, and just everything. Could, do you want to tell people where they can find you?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. You can uh, you can find me at wilkinsbryan.com um, where I have some information about readings and classes and stuff that I occasionally do. Uh, it's a little out of date at the moment, but I'm trying to fix that. And then, um, probably more interestingly or importantly at the moment, you can uh, go to Revelor Press and uh is that
0: revelor.press right
1: yes revelor.press it's also available on all places you can get books so if 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 you're inclined to get it other places that's totally fine uh i just am refusing to name archons and and
0: (laughs) right let's not invoke the archons people can figure that shit out themselves yeah they can do it
1: on their own yeah but um and and again I, i if it's something that sounds attractive i hope it can be something good in people's life i you know it's Engaging with these spirits has been a blessing in mine and I would I would love for people to have a chance to 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 do the same.
0: And the book is great. I highly recommend it. I'm gonna check out that deck too, man. Thank you, buddy. Again, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you have a great rest of your night. You too.
1: I hope you have a great one. Thanks.
0: And listeners, I'm glad to report our first EVP. At the end of the recording with Brian and I, I found this haunting
1: spectral groan
0: Wow ghost or a piece of a techno beat I'll let you decide do you experience weird shit are you an explorer to the farthest reaches of experience do you wade out into the sea to meet the eldritch horrors that lurk below unsatisfied to stay dry and complacent on the sands of ignorance more importantly does everyone else make you feel a little bit crazy for your experience well i hope by now you know that this is the place for you i'd love to hear your story so drop me a line at tim j sailor at gmail dot com and i'll have you on the show or if you're shy send me your story and i'll read it myself but know this
1: You are never alone. I believe you.